You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Michaela, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today, I'm joined by four senior leaders in the Melbourne tech community. In this episode, we will be discussing diversity in tech. Before we jump into the questions, it would be great to meet our panelists. Perva, would you like to introduce yourself and kick things off for us, please? Thank you so much, Michaela. Hello, everyone. I'm Purva Joshi, and I'm APAC CTO Technical Services and International um, Run, or SRE, for um, Vanguard Australia. I've been with Vanguard for last 12 years. I am from India and I came to Australia uh, to pursue my further studies. And I have been living in Australia for last 18 years. My main passion is technology, of course. Other than technology, I'm a trained Kathak dancer and um, I do perform um, along with my dance school uh, around Melbourne as well. Uh, especially in the te- technology currently with cloud, data, you name it, Chat GPT. Um, well, these are all the buzzwords, but um, the evolution of technology is what keeps me interested in it. Thank you very much for inviting me to this podcast. Thank you very much. Um, Kruti, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hello, everyone. I'm Kruti. I am um, Director of Software Engineering at a um, company called Slalom Built, and um, I moved to Australia about 14 years ago. I'm from India as well. And my background with technology has been working on mobile tech most of the times and then moved towards um, web. And now I do pretty much everything. Um, On a personal front, I have a little puppy. Um, I'm a national badminton player back home in India, but not anymore. Uh, And also, I also do a Bharatanatyam. So, hey, (laughs) that's awesome. Um, Yeah, that's me. Thank you. Chris, would you like to go next? Hi, I'm Chris Aitchison. I'm the CTO at UP. Uh, I spent a decade in the Army before getting into tech. I'm passionate about building great teams and, and using technology to help people in the early stages of financial well-being, um, basically feeding into prosperity, not off of it. Uh, we're not doing that. I love running, cycling, and playing video games and building Lego with my two young daughters. Fantastic. Bhavika. Morning, everybody. I'm Bhavika. I work currently work at Energy Australia as um, head of data analytics and um, governance, uh, which is kind of a hot topic everywhere. Um, I've been, I'm, I'm also from India. I've been in Australia for past 15 years and uh, I'm really passionate about data. I, I really think that uh, using data, you can really um it changed the world or impact in the various uh, shape and form. And uh, on a personal front, I've got a little one. She's eight, eight year old. Um, so Chris, similar to you, you know, building lots of Legos and playing lots of Minecraft. Uh, but other than that, um, I really like to uh, teach young kids. So as a volunteer work, I, I try to mentor and uh, teach young kids uh, ethics and values. Um, that's about me. Thank you. Great. Thank you, everybody. We'll jump into our first question, which was posed to the group by Chris. 
The question was, what specific workplace policies or practices do you think are important in attracting and retaining people from a diverse range of backgrounds? Chris, I'll get you to kick this one off, please. Great, put my own question back on me. <laughs> uh, we've got an interesting perspective here at my organisation because we started off as a very small company, maybe um, uh, grew very organically, didn't advertise for roles, hired at people we knew firsthand. Um, and by the time we were about 20 people, we were all but one um, white male in their you know, 20s or 30s. And so when it came time for us to, to really try to scale and realize that we were going to use um, diversity as a, as a strength, you know, actively changing the way we hire and changing workplace policies. Um, we we did we did lots of tangible things. We we first of all started advertising our roles. That's important. Um, if we just do our first-hand um, friends, then we're going to be hiring people who are just like the people we already have. Um, using gender-friendly language in those roles, so in those role descriptions. So making sure that we're um, you know going over these descriptions and they're not off. Hey, we're a bro culture here sort of vibe. Um, otherwise, we're not going to get people applying who are, are not going to be just like us. Um, making sure we're defining policies that are like parental leave policies. We we had one, but we never actually published one. We never have it had it written down. We'd never um, uh, really had it well defined, which is important if you're, um, you know, a, a young, young man in your 20s, and the company doesn't have something like that written down, you're going to be less concerned than if you're someone in your in your 30s, for example. Um, also, really controlling for unconscious bias with um, tangible things like not screening out resumes from underrepresented groups until they've actually done a technical assessment, just knowing that there is a potential for unconscious bias. And sure, if you're from... A group that's overrepresented already in the organisation. Yeah, we might we might not proceed with your resume, but if you're underrepresented, how do we control for that? Well, great. Let's just make sure you get through to the second phase. Um, and also just thinking about, um, especially in recruiting, thinking about people when we're assessing merits from how much they strengthen the team, and knowing that having people from a diverse range of backgrounds, or in, in any sense, like even uh, a diverse way of thinking about things, or uh, even even um, religions, genders, all those sort of things strengthens a team. If you have everyone that's almost exactly the same, you've got massive blind spots. So thinking about hiring as who makes the team stronger rather than, oh, what's the individual merit of this person? Um, if you do the individual merit of this person is the most important thing, that's how you end up with a room full of politicians that are you know, all white males in their 50s and 60s, right? And they're supposed to be representing a proportion of the population that's way more diverse than that. So... Um, again, we also, uh, uh, you know, ensured that we, we, as we started to correct our balance of, of um, different groups in the organisation, making sure that we'd have lots of diverse people doing the interview process, um, you know, so making sure there's diversity of genders and all sorts of backgrounds so that the candidates are not getting given red flags as they're coming through of like, wait a minute, I've just been through three interviews and every single person I've talked to is like different to me. So after um, 
a whole bunch of these sorts of steps, we really uh, found that we became a safer place for people from the underrepresented groups to um, feel like it was safe to join. Another thing we, we did was, um, uh, actually there's another question about this later, but we, we proactively did some training to our organisation around um, what accepting certain people from the representative groups could look like. So there was a particular session we did with a company called Minus 18, and, um, and they talk a lot about uh, transgenderism and uh, what that means for people that go through that journey and builds a ton of empathy for anyone who who um, goes through those sessions. And then I think it was important that we did that before anyone joined the organisation that was um, transgender, which someone did, did, then did. And then I felt extremely confident that that person was going to have an excellent experience because everyone would have that empathy. So um, that's just too many answers to your question, but <laughs> I'll, I'll hand it back over. <laughs> I can give I can some give examples. Some examples. Can give that. Um, so, for example, um, at Slalom, we recently launched new policies for um, our people, and um, one of them was to uh, to have uh, specified leaves for people who go through miscarriage, whether it uh, whether it is a female or male, and that was one of the very emotional moment for a lot of people. Um, in my company, because I've I know personally a couple of people who went through that phase and they were so nervous or uncomfortable sharing it or taking a break from their project work and stuff like that. So it was really really good to see that something like this can be a policy as well uh, from a company and not just for females because male also go through emotionally a lot through that phase. So that and then another thing we recently uh, implemented. Uh, was to have a feedback for a candidate anonymously so you don't mention gender, name, um, any other information other than what do you genuinely think about the interview, what questions they answered, how they answered, what were the notes from you and what are the next steps, nothing about where do they live, where do they, if they have children, because all of this created, creates some somehow biases. So that created a very unfiltered, genuine review within the company. So yeah, these were the two couple of things that we did addition to what Chris mentioned. I would like to add just two more to this. Um, within Vanguard, what we have done is we uh, there are two types of training. One is inclusive hiring for the leaders and how to create an inclusive environment for the leaders. But also it is important that the rest of the employees also understand the importance of it. So there is another training that we have put forward that is your role in inclusion. Because yes, as a leaders, we can hire all the uh, people from various backgrounds, but they need to feel that they belong. And it is not just us leader can do that. Everybody else needs, needs to join into this as well. And uh, Vanguard goes through, um, uh, this year we got employer of choice for gender equality. And when we go through that screening, um, we make sure that uh, A, our policies are in place, B, because it's not just tick marking the policies, you actually have to showcase the evidence that you are implementing those policies or they are in practice. And it's a good way to do a pulse check for the organization where we are heading as well. Over to you, Bhavika. 
Yeah, um, Pulwa rightly said, like a couple of organizations have been, um, they, 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 they do have these policies, but actual implementation is, is where the real difference lies. Like currently at Energy Australia, we have lots of policies uh, where, you know, it is very, very inclusive. But to support that, we have a committee formed, which is, uh, which is actually making sure the pioneers are there and that has been echoed and people know that they, their support exists and um, so, so that the policies is one, but actual implementation is where the real difference lies. Like, seen a lot of variations going around where you know people talk, oh, we have this, we have that, but few of them are not aware. So, quite rightly said, you know, having those pioneers has made the real difference, and I can see it. You know, that couple of organization they give extra incentive just because you are a female employee. And I often wonder why there is this distinguish, you know, where where you're doing the exact same amount of work, focus on the gender pay gap rather than giving these incentives just to, you know, cover up the, the gap. So yeah, it is there's a lot of work to be done in this space. And and I think leaders like ourselves who can actually echo that and represent that will really make that difference. I agree with this. Uh, one of, this is very close to my heart because I'm someone who migrated to Australia and I was a I was a student. And before coming to Australia, I actually worked as a software engineer back home. And I have gone through the entire process of finding a job in this new country and gone through the system as well. Um, and a lot lot of times, um, lot of times I have been told in an interview that, you know, the overseas experience doesn't count or overseas education um, doesn't count. And that's the one thing I wanted to change when I became a leader and make sure that we do account that and a lot more inclusive uh, towards um, immigrants, especially um, that come into this country it doesn't matter which part of the world they come from, but they get a fair chance at creating the bright future that they deserve. Awesome. Thank you very much for your contributions, everybody. We'll move on to the next question, which ties into a couple of your answers from the previous one. Um, the question was posed to the group by Perva. What are some creative ways to proactively source candidates from underrepresented communities? Herb, I'll get you to kick this one off. Uh, um, I, well, that's a really good question um, because sometimes I do feel that in order for people to feel inclusive or feel comfortable even about your culture, we need to we as a culture of culture carriers need to create a safe space as well. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to be a poster child or poster girl either. Whatever you are, uh, when you are involving different um, minority communities, you want to be, come, you want to come across as genuine. And they, and whoever are, are involved, they shouldn't feel like the, to, uh, the effort is just a token effort, but it actually, comes within. So within Vanguard, we have something called CRGs. Um, so they are uh, they are the community events or communities formed by underrepresentative um, groups, such as we have LEAP for a leadership for Asian uh, male and female. Uh, we also have HOLA. Um, we also have BOLD. Um, we also have OPEN for uh, 
uh, for people who are LGBTQ plus community. And these communities provide that, that safe space for um, those community, uh, those employees where A, they want to share some of the insecurities and how other people navigated those insecurities also to give them home. And it is just beautiful because every community has a festival, the main festival. And uh, our office comes to life when we have a Chinese New Year or we have uh, Diwali. And that actually it creates a safe space for people who are not Asian or Indian to come in and experience that festival. And then they understand what are do's and don'ts and how the whole thing works. And it is also helps them educate and in turn brings that respect in. I'm married to a Westerner. And um, in our household, there is a whole different DEI conversation that happens on a uh, day in, day out um, basis. And I use some of that, those learnings to go back, uh, I take, take them back to um, office and try to use them to create that safe space, to ask questions, to get involved um, and educate. One of the experience I would love to share, uh, which I when I which I got when I moved to Australia. So, I remember um, I was working at a company um, uh, as a, when I moved to Australia. I luckily had a job, um, but that was like a contracting job. When I moved here, I had to go through the interview process. And one of the interview questions that I received from one of the big four banks was uh, about um, how are you going to be, um, like how will you fit in the culture that we have over here considering you are so new to the country? And I was, my answer at that point uh, was, I didn't know how much culture is so important here. So my answer at that time was that coding, I'm here to do coding. I'm here to implement softwares and I'm here to do my job. So um, I know I'm not a bad person, so I think I should be fine. Well, that was not a satisfactory answer apparently, and I didn't get selected for the job. So this is the time when I realized that, oh, I actually need to be looking after the culture and there is a there is a difference between a migrant versus a local over here. So, yeah, that was one of my experiences. And I would never want that experience or that question to go to anyone ever because culture should be identified. It should be culture add on, not culture fit. And that's one of the things that every company is leaning towards nowadays. So, yeah. I I totally agree. Like similar to you, Kriti, um, well, you know that Diwali is like the biggest festival. It's like Christmas. And being away from family on a Christmas day, just imagine that. And when we started to celebrate uh, Diwali at Vanguard, and when everybody participated, uh, no matter what cultural background you are from, that was probably the time I would say that I felt accepted in a in a way, well, I was always accepted as a software engineer, but I felt accepted as a uh, from the from the cultural uh, perspective as well. And that that feeling that you belong in an organization that's uh, that's very important to bring um, to bring talent and uh, also make sure that uh, you retain the talent that you have. 
I still share a couple of similar experiences um, because uh, I work in data and there are not many women in data. Um, so often when I go for this interview questions um, and then they ask, you know, like, how would you feel comfortable uh, being the only female in the team? And I'm like, I'm there with my skill set, not because I'm a woman or, you know, something that I can't talk when there are men in the room. It's all changing, right? And and that's why I always feel like why there's a difference. And still now there's a huge imbalance in that field. And I often feel like it's okay, like, you know, but I, I understand the concern because somebody might not be that comfortable with it. But I think we should try to portrayed in a different manner and say you are all welcome here you know we are there to support you rather than would you be comfortable you know this is where I think that the change should come in so that uh, you know you feel like oh you're welcome but you know we're there to support you if you have any issues so yeah just thought and 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 I, I completely agree having that representation really helps and seeing um you know like oh there are there are uh, women in IT though in the wider team or you know things like that just gives you that comfort and you feel like oh, I really want to work there or this is where this is where I would like to uh, be part of the group where you know there is a lot of this inclusion happening rather than you go in there and like oh this is this is not the place for me because because I can't see any representation, so, yeah. Yeah, I'd say sometimes, and maybe not always, if you get asked the question, how do you feel about being the only woman on the team, it might be because that team is actually um, not, say not, I wouldn't say not ready, but they, they know that actually they're potentially not in a in a in a in a state where they're going to do all the right behaviours that are going to be appropriate, if you know what I mean. If they're like, oh great, we're 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 ten blokes and we just do all these things that we do do around each other, and uh, they're actually concerned about what happens if a woman joins our team, and so they'll put the question back onto the new joiner. Oh, are you sure you want to be here? Because we don't want to change. And actually, the, the right answer is yeah. If you want to actually promote diversity in your workplace, you do need to actually change. And the burden's not on the person from the underrepresented group, the burden's on um, the, the group, the, the larger group. There was a great talk from one of my colleagues a few years ago um, at a conference where the, the topic was, diversity's not the responsibility of the underrepresented groups. Like, you know, diversity and inclusivity is the responsibility of the people who have the power to make the change, which is not the people who are marginalised. It's the people who are already the majority. So it's not it's not right to say, okay, uh, you know, in tech, okay, women, what can you do about diversity? Or you know, okay, you know, minority re religion, what can you do about diversity? Or okay, you know, differently abled people, what 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 should we do about diversity? It's like no, <laughs> you you solve this problem from the position of power. So that's sort of my instinct of why that question gets asked coming from a position of having been, um, you know, like especially like from my time in the military, I, I went for at least five of those years without working with a woman on the team because, you know, in the sort of jobs I was in, that they weren't able to work in those jobs at the time. Um, yeah, a very different environment to when you're working in a in a 
type of role where there is there is lots of different types of people, even in the, even in the same organisation. So um, I think the actions towards making a more diverse workplace happen or have to begin with the, the people who have the power. I agree. And Bhavika, your point of um, representation, it's, it's my personal experience. Um, I didn't think about that until I become to, uh, came to senior management. And at a point, I just recently got promoted. And for me, it was like, okay, more money, a new challenge, and uh, I get to do something fun. And that's that's pretty much it, that particular promotion was. I didn't think about it from the diversity, inclusion, equity, or uh, none of that. And I was waiting for a lift in a corridor to go to different floor. And there was a bunch of girls and they turned around and they congratulated me. And I said, thank you very much. And one of the girls, she stopped and she said that, you know, it means a lot to us to see you at that leadership team because that gives us a hope. And I remember walking in and I said, thank you. And I'm walking into um, that lift and thinking, okay. That's another burden I didn't think about. And so I need to now consciously make an effort that that this is how I'm perceived. So I want to make sure that I do something about it. Um, and that's that's probably a lot of game changer for me. Uh, until that point, it was just like, okay, I have aspiration. I want career. I'm good at certain things. I think I'm a much better leader. Uh, but from that point onwards, that taught me the importance of representation and how important the diversity, equity and inclusion is in a workplace environment. It's amazing you say that, right? Because um, I had very similar experience. So when I joined um, Slalom, I am one of the only techie directors. Now we have one more person who joined recently. So a uh, female who joined recently and I'm from an Indian background. So what happened is every time a new person is onboarded, um, whether it is a, a individual contributor or um, an architect or something, they would, uh, and if it is an Indian female, she's automatically gravitated towards me and started having conversation with me or were like, oh my God, one day I want to be at the level you are at. And it's so amazing to see you um, so approachable still and stuff like that. And that made me realize that, oh, I probably have a little bit more responsibility as well than I actually thought as a, uh, just as a director performer in the company. But I also have a representation as my role and yeah. Thank you very much for those contributions. Some really great answers to the question and some personal experiences. Um, we'll move on to our next question, which ties into the previous one as well. How can companies create an inclusive workplace environment that accommodates different communication styles, cultural norms, and what are some of the strategy strategies for ensuring that everyone feels valued and heard? That question was put forward to the group by Bavika. So I'll get you to kick that one off. Thank you. Um, I think a couple of the points we addressed before, like having 
that safe space for people to voice their concern, um, it's it's very important. So the teams that I lead, often I try to create that safe space um, on, on a personal front because I think it's a responsibility of me as a leader where, you know, I, I generate that safe space that they, if there is an issue, they can come and talk to me or they can raise it up to the to the powers if required. And, and uh, there is... Uh, at, at EA, there is a lot of work happening in the DNI Council, which I'm very, very fortunate, and I really, really feel um, proud about that I'm part of such a company because, what, generally, you know, they have this different ways that we can connect, we can talk. Uh, they they provide this uh, flexibility, like they've been awarded that as well. Like you can work any time of the day, any uh, like, you know, half a day and things like that, which, which makes the inclusion part of it at the same time it creates that more opportunities because there are a lot of um, you know new moms who have multiple things to to look even dads I would say you know they need to support um, their families and and this this opens up that opportunity and a new cohort of people who really want to continue their work but they they can't because of the rigid schedule so this is where it really um, adds up and it also creates that safe space where they can raise their concern and. Um, you know, their their, uh, their their workplace where they would really like to contribute, but at the same time have that flexibility available at their end. I agree. And further to that, um, one of the things that has been a real game changer, as I said, CRGs, which are, which are the community resource groups, um, and they have put out a lot of good programs, uh, leadership programs uh, um, at Vanguard. And the feedback that we have uh, we have received is when someone from the other communities we onboard, we make sure that the connection is there during the onboarding process. Um, they can, just because I'm Asian doesn't mean that I just join Asian group. I'm part of like several other groups because I enjoy uh, all the other cultures as well. But you can, you can subscribe to any um, any of the CRG that you want. And it's a different cultural perspective that enriches your life as well. One of the things um, that we have also spotted um, is that we want diversity. But what when we go for an interview and when we go out for sourcing a candidate, there are not that many diverse candidates that actually come to you, no matter what strategy you apply. And that really felt as if that there is not enough not enough diverse candidate in the pool itself um and it's a it's a funny incident um like 10 years back we used to have one school from nunavering coming into our offices and there used to be your 10 students and uh, they would do a one week rotation through different departments and it was for them to educate what the business looks like and what career paths that they should take and the last uh, department would be IT. And they would come in um, and then uh, we would go through what IT does and everything. And then they will uh, do their presentation for IT uh, for CIO. And at the end of when they are about to leave, we would ask, so how many of you would like to join IT? And it used to break my heart because no one would put their hand up saying, I want to be an engineer or I want to be an IT. Um, and and that really 
made me feel okay so how can we get that diversity in a in a pool uh, and if it's not even in a pipeline how can we get it when it's uh, it's ready for the hiring so we have paired with a fantastic organization called abc and if you're watching this um uh episode big shout out to you they really work with uh, underrepresented schools um and uh, kids who are below socio economic background um and we 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 pair with them we make sure that we implement programs such as stem we implement programs for student female students to take uh, to prepare them to take on a lot more leadership role going forward when they get into the workforce um we do um courses like my career rules because these under representative or below socio economic background kids they don't have mentors in their life usually for us it's our parents or our uncle aunt or someone in the close vicinity but they don't even have those mentors and just seeing what could be the possibility has um has been a game cha- game changer for me and the feedback that we receive from those students and um this is our attempt at a longer term strategy so that when uh, we are ready to hire people that pool of diverse candidates will come through and we will have a, a lot more diversity because if it's not in a pipeline we certainly are not going to get when we are ready for the hiring I think one of the ways we've um, attacked the problem of, of creating an inclusive workplace environment is uh, through educating our team on what a whole bunch of, I guess, uh, things they haven't normally been exposed to look like. We, for example, um, we've we've got in our organisation currently uh, uh, we've got about a hundred people, and and two of them follow Islam, and. Those two people were uh, kind enough to really give a great spill to the organisation of what it means, and it was it was really enlightening for a bunch of well for the whole company. It was a whole company um, sort of all hands. We we do lots of um, sessions and those sorts of things that we do every every couple of months where everyone comes into the office and we we do a lot of activities and um, just learning more about what that means and and. Um, for example, what happens during Ramadan when Ramadan is happening right now, and then people sort of learning the philosophy behind it, etc., and that created so much empathy for what it all meant and 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 why why um, uh, like people of of that faith would you know fast during Ramadan or what what their um, what they believe in or what their philosophies are or what their values are. And in general, most most people have very similar values as far as kindness and empathy, et cetera, go. And then, you know, our organisation on Wednesday in sort of uh, uh, in, I guess, uh, what's the word? Well, we, we fasted <laughs> from, from uh, sunrise to sunset uh, on Wednesday. Uh, in out of respect for the fact that we have some people in the organization that have been doing it for well are doing it for 40 days so um so that makes well i like to think that that makes our our, our colleagues that are, that are following islam feel extremely included and welcomed and and loved because they are and 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 those sorts of 
of things for uh, I guess any 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 group of people that aren't you know, hugely represented around the organisation. I think those things make them feel much more part of the team. Where you know we've got in this in this case two people out of a hundred just that. They're doing something that's different to everyone else, but the team embraces them, and I think that's really powerful. And I think um, uh, we're really, really proud that like that's sort of who we are as an organisation. I guess as an organisation, one of the things I've learned is we need to also be very open to getting suggestions from the people who are representing this uh, different cultural or um, gender or um, whether it is um, even like um, their inclination-wise different backgrounds and um, get their feedback and understanding and see what we can do as an organization and keep improving. Uh, and that also gives them inclusivity. That also gives them feel that we are part of the team. They want to do something for me and people like me and whether it is even simple thing like we had recently a um, couple of people who were really interested in sharing about um, dyslexia and how it is impacting their work and work life and if you're working with that person how you can be understanding about that as well just pointing directing them to a little bit of a um if they have noticed certain behavior patterns, how they can help uh, people to understand that it it is not them, it is more being able to be proactive to understand that, okay, this person has something in background as well. And it that is what um, brings a very cultural and a very diverse background within the company. It Everyone feels inclusive. So that was another point that we missed probably. So I wanted to add. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, we've got another question from Chris this time. Um, it kind of ties back into what we've just chatted about as well. Um, the question is, what specific hiring practices do you think are important when it comes to promoting diversity in an organization? Chris, go for it. My, my favorite one, Michaela, you like this one, is asking recruiters to provide a, a equal number of men and women candidates because that puts a lot of the burden back onto the professionals to work a bit harder for their money. So in tech, that's, that's quite hard. I know it's quite hard um, because the balance of, of genders is, is, is not there where it, like it is in other industries sometimes. So uh, then the if the resume is coming in a 50 50 then it's really quite simple to to uh, um, to get a better balance of, of people that you're hiring one of the one of the things that I do to put my fingers on the scales when it comes to diversity because I believe that to to get a better mostly in in, in in engineering and tech where I do most of the hiring is, is, is the gender diversity is the hard thing to solve for in general. Um, in most other aspects, it's it's not perfect, but the gender diversity is the hard one. Um, it's just casting a wider net. I don't like any, any sort of um, aspersions that there's any lowering of any bars. That's not never what happens. It's just casting a wider net. It's always casting a wider net. 
and to cast that wider net or or sometimes it's actually casting less of a net over the overrepresented groups you already have, if you know what I mean. So if someone comes to me and says, oh, my mate is looking for a job, well, if their mate is someone we already have, like, great, we've probably got an overrepresentation of males in their 20s, males in their 30s, and males in their 40s. So if they fit one of those categories, then um, I'm unlikely to go and do some proactive outreach. But if it's someone from an underrepresented group, like, I'm all over it. I go, hey, hey, we want to, I want to have a chat. You know, here's here's what we've got here. Here's what we're doing, and sort of just making sure that we're we're um, spending the finite amount of effort that can be spent doing that sort of outreach on underrepresented groups, and the overrepresented groups can actually do the effort themselves to try to convince us that this is the place they want to work. Um, I guess uh, another. Another way to that we, um, I guess, achieve a better a better balance in that respect is to. Um, I've, I probably covered a whole bunch of these earlier, but, <laughs> um, and and I think uh, Joshy covered the whole making sure we have people in leadership roles that people can see, um, ensuring that um, we. We aren't screening people out early, that we pay fairly, and that people know we pay fairly. So we have pretty um, well-defined career ladders. So for us, paying fairly is is a it's a matter of making sure we give confidence to all of our candidates that we've got a fair process and we've got a structured way of deciding what level people are at and the fact that once we once we've established what level people are at that the pay is fair because it's actually consistent across the organization and so we actually went through a phase where that didn't exist like the early days that that structure wasn't there and there was an exception in the company that okay I'm not sure how pay works so I'm not sure it's fair and we could measure that with surveys etc and after we've gone we went through a big activity of making sure that um, we had a process and, and everyone knew about the process and we've got the, the structure of the career ladder, et cetera, and now those same sort of feedback loops that we do with the surveys, et cetera, have shown us that people now perceive that it's much, much fairer. So that sort of thing helps us, um, especially with recruiting, where we can now tell candidates, okay, we're confident that we pay fairly because our team members believe so and we can say that with a hand on a heart and and that helps us a lot as well when it comes to that we also have a track record of um when a candidate and I've, I've been involved in, in a bunch of these personally they'll you know they'll they'll ask for a particular um salary and we we have to offer them more because they you know they might be literally putting themselves in a situation where they'd be underpaid and we'd if we did that thing that a business is probably sometimes inclined to do be like oh yeah great bargain we'll just snap you up we're actually putting ourselves in organizational debt where we've got we've got a problem we have to solve then because now we've got a, we're making ourselves a pay gap and we're 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 sort of violating our own values of being fair so 
it's a pleasant surprise to give people as well, and it's always a good, fun sort of thing to have a conversation about when you're making a job offer. But it's a thing you have to do, which is like if someone sort of says, "This is this is what I'm looking for," you're like, "Well, wait a minute." I mean, look, we sometimes we don't ask, but they say it anyway. It's like we, we're going to have to give you more because we we know if we didn't, we're just creating a problem. So. Um, I think that's also important to do, not to sort of just be a penny pincher when it comes to that sort of stuff and think long term. It's amazing you mentioned that, right? Because I um, I went through the similar learnings from um, slalom specifically because um, we last year we had so every year we do. Uh, pay parity um, um, survey and we see that everyone's, not sorry, but we do that for everyone's salaries and make sure that everyone on the same level have been paid, are paid equally. And if not, we match their salaries. And um, I saw that so many people were benefited from that um, because, uh, and they were, very surprisingly happy about that as well, right? So that was that was, and it's not just um, say female. There were male who were underpaid as well and who were um, matched with their salaries. So um, it's a really good one of the policies that um, company can have to make sure that everyone is valued for their capability equally um, and skill set equally. So yeah. Thanks, everyone. We'll move on to our next question, which was posed to the group by Priti. The question was, what activities or training do your company have at the moment which contributes to a diverse culture? Priti, do you want to go for it? Yeah, sure. Um, so we call it, we have a lot of ERG activities where we employ resource group activities where we have... Um, um, I lead a couple of initiatives uh, as well, where it is for women and um, promoting um, more learnings, confidence, um, support for women, um, whether it is moms returning back from work, back to work after pregnancy, or um, whether it is women who have taken a big break in their career due to various reasons and are coming back to the workforce, um, how do we support them to even as simple as sometimes I am guilty of that. I have um, like um, imposter syndrome and I do not speak up sometimes in a lot of meetings, whether it is very male dominant or there are a lot of loud voices. So how do we build that confidence within us um, uh, and do some trainings around that so that we are equally confident about our technical skills as a male would be, stuff like that. So um, um, we have a lot of initiatives like that. Uh, we also have a lot of initiatives for um, our ERG groups for, say, um, we have a PRISM, which is for um, LGBTI plus community. We have um, a group for um neurodiversity we have a group where they just love reading books um, and they are nerds about books so they go and um, they my company regularly delivers uh, buys books for everyone and then we share the books and everyone goes and reads them so stuff like that so we have groups for almost everything you can imagine and that's the beauty of it you don't really have to spend too much money, but um, you just have to enable your team uh, and people who are interested in certain things to go and, um, yeah, just contribute and be part of that 
little group that they can create. Um, we have a group for sports as well, for example, which I'm a huge part of because I love sports. So, yeah. It sounds a real fun place to work, Ruthi. <laughs> uh, we we do have at a small scale different groups as well, um, where where you know people can go and um, the participate and be 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 inclusive. But what I really find is sometimes you know taking that first proactive step is often a challenge. Um, and uh, the the most successful program that I have seen uh, that has really helped is that one-on-one mentoring opportunities. Um, that is something that um, is being provided. So you can actually choose someone mentor from, from the work or you can actually go um, out, um, you know, in the industry where we partner with uh, with RCD for women. They have the mentorship program where, you know, we, we encourage women if they want someone not within the business, but outside, they want to um, have mentoring opportunities, which is where, you know, it just helps them to get that next step where they can, you know, discuss and consult and then take that first step forward. Um, but yeah, having these groups and the support really, really helps. Look, Looking back like 15 years when, you know, I decided I wanted to uh, go into the data space, I really felt, you know, if I had the support group, it would have made my life so much easier as as an immigrant, as a woman, and as a person who's just starting their career. And listening to all this, it feels really good that, you know, we are actually making that change and we are actually making the genuine effort to to get this um, initiative or this, this part of the norm rather than saying, oh, this is something that we have to do or this is something that we would really like to do. That's that's really fantastic, Pavika and Kruti. Um, and this is this really makes a lot of difference. Even if they have a communities that they can go to um, and share some of their experiences or insecurities as well. One of the things that I would like to add further to this conversation is, um, we all know that there is a talent crunch at the moment, especially in a technology in technology space. One of the conversation that we had at our leadership is. Okay, um, we are in a talent crunch when we are trying to hire talent from outside. What are we doing to make sure that we source talent within as well, but bring the diversity maybe from the business side of things? So we do have a, a mentoring programs such as Big Sibling, whereas if you want to be in part of leadership um, or if you just want to how to navigate a complex corporate structure like Vanguard, that mentoring program is very, very helpful. Uh, Complementary to that, I, I actually uh, lead Technology Excellence Engineering Guild um, at Vanguard, and we have come up with a program that is about to be launched probably in June. We are looking at June, July, is a technical mentorship. So say, for example, right now with the technology, especially with cloud uh, technology and data space, the difference between pure business and technology is becoming a lot more blurred. You will you will see a lot of business folks who come with uh, really fabulous scripting skills with Python or coding skills with Python. They're creating their own programs. Um, so how do we make sure that they get the guidance and um, the nurturing that they deserve to make that transition successful from the business into IT if they want to. 
Um, and this has this is something actually our fellow engineers come up with. And this is one aspect of it. And then the second aspect of it as well, if you have a junior engineer, how do they get uh, how how do they get that mentoring coaching to become what it takes to become either tech leads or architects um and that technical mentorship has really um the, in our opinion will help to bring in a lot of diver uh, thought, thought diversity um to uh, to our technical department or it department as well Okay, we will leave it there for now, everybody. I want to thank you again for joining me on this podcast and providing such interesting insights surrounding diversity in tech. Thank you all for listening, and I look forward to catching you next time on the Evolution Exchange podcast.